welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. My message this morning, continuing on part of our series in called On Repeat, where we're reminding ourselves of things that are really important for us to remember. And uh, I, there was kind of like three categories of, of things that I thought were really important. There were things about who I am, things about who God is, and things about what we do as believers. And this morning, I guess, this is a little bit a, a kind of a, like a who I am, like my identity in Christ. And I've called this message this morning, it's, a, it's Father's Day today, so I've called the message this morning, I look like my dad. But I will explain what I mean by that in, in a minute or as we go. But I think that's one of the things that's really important for us to remember, that we look like our dad, not our earthly dad, but our, our heavenly dad, that we uh, reflect his glory and who he is. Um, but for me, being a dad has taught me a lot about who God is. Uh, there's a lot of challenges in being a dad. Um, being a dad is not always the, an easy gig, and I guess for mums, you can, um, like being a mum's not an easy gig either, but um, being a parent, you, I, I can only speak from the perspective of being dad. I can't talk from personal experience about what it's like um, to be a mum, so you just have to like take it and apply it to your situation, all right? But for me, being a dad was hard, uh, and part of the reason it was hard is because you just kind of get chucked in the deep end. There's no training course or preparation for it, is there? It's like one day you're not a dad, and the next day you are. And uh, <laughs> there's a bit of a learning curve that kind of comes with that, I think. But um, some of us uh, had good role models through our life. Some of us had maybe negative role models of what it means to be a father. Some of us probably had no role model of what it is to be a father um, and I, I suspect that for many of us there are things that in our lives that we have chosen or would choose to do differently to our own fathers no matter how good they might have been or how much we might have admired them but often we end up resembling them or looking like them more than what we might think now there's all kinds of different ways that we resemble our earthly parents, isn't there? There's the kind of the physical, the exterior, the kind of the looks like, you know, whether you're tall or short or, you know, what kind of uh, build you have, maybe whether you have glasses or whether you have hair or no hair <laughs> or, you know, kind of... Because obviously that's an example where there's like... of a family where there's like no family resemblance like kids don't look like their parents at all do they no no people often tell me that Hayden looks just like me but I don't see it <laughs> the smile you reckon there's lots of things isn't there lots of ways that we can look at sometimes it's not so much about the looks but it's mannerisms Sometimes it's like certain behaviours or things that sometimes we do unconsciously. Uh, sometimes it's a voice. Um, when, I, when I meet people who know my parents, they often tell me that I look more like my mum, but I sound like my dad. Uh, people often said, I, when, I, when I laugh, I have a laugh like my dad. And they say, oh, you sound just like your dad when you laugh. 
Sometimes it's our, our, our personality traits. Sometimes it's our strengths and weaknesses that we resemble our parents. Now, there are some things that we can, some things we can't choose. Um, obviously, we can't choose our genetics. We can't choose, well, I was going to say we can't choose our hair colour, but you ladies would probably speak differently to that, wouldn't you? <laughs> but there are some things that we can choose. You know, there are a lot of things that we learn from our parents, things like our values, things like our morals, things like how we treat other people are things that we have uh, a choice about some of those things, don't we? And there are some things that when, when we read the Bible, which is God's revelation to us of who He is, we get a picture um, of who God is. and We get a picture of His characteristics and His attributes and there are some things in there that we can choose to try to emulate. Um, and there are things that, when I look at who God is and what kind of a father God is, there are things that for me that I go, I want to be that kind of dad to my kids. And so I just want to kind of look at a few of some of those characteristics with you this morning that we see in God that are a worthy and admirable to, I guess, to try to, to replicate in our own lives. The first is uh, unconditional love. And I think this is one of the most important kind of attributes for us and one of the most important things, one of the things that I'm most glad that God demonstrates and lives out is unconditional love. For me as a dad, it's, it's one of the most important things that I want my kids to know is that they're loved unconditionally might not always agree with their choices, particularly as now that they're kind of getting older and as teenagers and making more of their own choices, but I'll always love them. And, uh, and I hope that no matter what they do or where they go in life or whether they stay here in Wyala, hint, hint, or move away, that they always know that, uh, that I love them. just because they're my kids. So we see demonstrated in Scripture God's unconditional love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait until we deserved it. He didn't wait until... We wanted to come to him before he rescued us. He didn't wait for us to, to cry out to him in desperation while we were still sinners, while we were still far away from God, while we were still enemies of God, the Bible says. He made a way for our salvation. He sent Christ to die for us. First John 3, verse 1. So see how, much, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. Unconditional love doesn't mean that I'm happy with everything that my kids do. And unconditional love doesn't mean that God's happy with everything that you do. <laughs> but it does mean that, like, I hope that it means that for my kids, that even when they mess up, I don't give up on them. I don't abandon them. I don't stop loving them. Um, I, you know, I don't walk away or, or turn my back or refuse 
to help and that's what we see demonstrated in our father's love for us isn't it even when we make mistakes even when we mess up even when we're going down a wrong path he still loves us and he's calling to us and he's reaching out to us and he's drawing us and he's trying to say hey don't go down that path don't make that choice unconditional love second um, characteristic uh, is being present God has declared that he will never leave us he will never give up on us he will never abandon us he will never forsake us now being present for my kids doesn't necessarily mean that I'm always going to uh, I'm not I'm not at, it's not like I'm at their beck and call it's not like I uh, am am their their servant or you know at the mercy of their every whim but it's being present being there with them being available to them when they need me and even someday maybe if one or two of them move away from uh, geographically from where we live <laughs> it's, a, it's a touchy subject all right <laughs> Um, even if even if someday far down the track they might move away from home I hope that they know that they can they can call when they need me when they when they're hurting when they don't know how to solve a problem when they need advice or wisdom I don't know whether I'll have the answers for them but I I hope that they might reach out and uh, and ask I want them to, to know that they can come to me and that I will never turn them away. Psalm 46, verse 1 says that God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. He has promised that he is, the psalmist declares that he is our refuge and our strength. He is the one that we can run to in times of trouble. He is the one who is always ready and willing and eager to help you when you need help. Is that, does that fit with your picture of who God is? It doesn't always fit with my picture. Sometimes I have this kind of picture of God where I feel like I need to convince him to help me. And I need to kind of to, to beg and plead and humble myself and God will finally, you know, if I do that enough, then God will finally deign to help me. You know, I'm trying to, it's not the picture of God that we read about in Scripture. It's not the, the picture of God that is revealed in the person of Christ, is it? Psalm 139 is a great psalm and I encourage you, uh, make a note of this and go home and read it. Or if you're, you're listening uh on the podcast or, or at home pause it right here and and go and read this psalm in full because it's an amazing psalm that talks about how much God knows you and loves you and cares for you but I just want to read a few verses here from verse 7 through to verse 10 and the psalmist writes this he says I can never escape from your spirit I can never get away from your presence if I go up to heaven you are there if I go down to the grave you are there If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, it's getting a little bit poetic kind of here, isn't it? It's like a little bit flowery but in in the language, but he's, he's making this point. He says, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. 
Sometimes when we read this, the, the first bit of this scripture, it kind of sounds like he's trying to get away from God, doesn't it? But, but he's, as we read on, we discover it's not really about trying to get away from God. It's not about trying to hide from God. He's making this declaration that says, it doesn't matter where I go, you will always be there to guide me and support me. Isn't that a great thing? And this is God's promise for us. This is God's declaration to us through his word is, is for you also that no matter where you go, whether it's geographically or whether it's spiritually or whether it's emotionally or you know, in, in your thoughts, no matter where you go, he will be there to guide you and to support you. So that's being present, that's number two. Number three is discipline. Proverbs 3 verse 11 and 12 says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. One of the things that I've discovered as I've grown as a parent over the last 20 years, that sounds like a long time when I say it out loud, <laughs> is not, that discipline is not about learning how to make your child obey. Effective discipline is about learning how to make your children want to obey. You see the difference? I always want to do everything in love. We, we know that, we, we talked about often, sometimes when we think about discipline, we we, we kind of associate that or, or kind of make it synonymous with punishment, but it's really not, is it? Discipline is about training and teaching. We talk about athletes who discipline themselves or go through sort of physical disciplines to accomplish what they want to, you know, their, their goals or to get to the Olympics or to achieve in their, their, their sport. We talk about uh, spiritual disciplines where we kind of we train ourselves spiritually by reading the word and, and being diligent and spending time with God. A discipline means teaching. And one of the roles, I mean, for me it kind of comes naturally because that's part of my, my temperament and my personality, my spiritual gifting is to teach, which is part of the reason why I do what I do here. Uh, not just because I love being up the front and talking, but because uh, I want to help people to understand stuff. And that's, for me as a dad too, part of my role is, is to teach them and to train them. Not just arbitrary kind of rules or patterns of behaviour, but I want, to te- want to teach them to be independent, um, uh, kind, generous, contributing adults. Um, I want to discipline my children so that they learn how to be people who honour God. I want them to learn that the way that they live matters. I want them to learn self-control and how to get along with other people that are different to them. I want to prepare them for life so that they can be successful as they follow the path that God has for them in their life. And I want them to learn how to to manage those hard times that they might go through when things don't go right, when things don't just fall into place. I want them to be equipped and trained and ready to handle that. I want them to learn that discipline is not a 
not a word to be feared, it's not a dirty word, it's not something to be avoided, but it's something that is necessary and helpful. I want them to learn to discipline themselves, to run their race well and finish well, even when the going is tough and when they want to quit. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 and 11 says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. God's discipline has a purpose. It's not arbitrary, but it is to teach us and to train us that we might share in His holiness. goes on, he says, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. How many of us know that? (laughs) Especially if we're of a certain generation. Um, But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. God disciplines us because He wants us to be people who reflect Him. He wants to train us, He wants to shape us to be people who live holy, who have that harvest of right living, who reap peace and not strife. Okay, discipline. Number four, provide. I want to provide for my family. Now, this is not always an easy thing to know how to do right, is it? It's not always an easy thing to know uh, how much to, to give and how much to do for them when we're raising children who are learning uh, and on that path of being completely dependent to being Uh, hopefully one day independent sometimes kind of that that journey is a bit of figuring out I know I don't always get it right Um, but I want my kids to be happy I want them to have nice things that they can enjoy I want them to enjoy hobbies and sports and activities and have experiences but I also want them to learn to be independent I want them to learn to, uh, to the, understand the value of money and the value of hard work. And a job well done, I want them to understand the joy that comes from working hard for something and earning it and being able to, to, to buy yourself something that you wanted at the end of it. But I also want them to learn how to be generous, to think of others, others who have less. Matthew 6 Verse 7 and 8 talks about our Father providing for us. And he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Now some people read that and go, well, if He already knows what I need, then I don't have to ask. That's not what Jesus is saying here, is it? is it? No, it's not. Now, now there are times, absolutely, when God provides something we need at, at the, the, the perfect time and we hadn't even had an opportunity to realise that we needed it and to think to ask for it. He does that sometimes, doesn't he? I don't know if you've ever had a circumstance like that, but I think I can think of many in my life where God provided something I needed before I even knew I needed it. But there are also times when it is great for us to come and talk about what's going on in our life with our Father. And it's not about 
uh, I think what he's saying is not about trying to, it, it comes back to that principle of, you know, do we serve a God who loves to, to meet our needs or who needs to be convinced? And I think that as we begin to get that, that more accurate picture of a God who loves to help, who loves to meet our needs, who loves to, to stick up for us and fight for us when we need him, who is just ready and waiting to step in and answer our cry and our call and not someone who has to be, you know, uh, nagged into submission. <laughs> Sometimes children think that um, parents need to be nagged into submission, don't they? <laughs> and I, I don't know, but some parents, I think it probably works really well, but... Uh, <laughs> And it's something we've got to be a little bit mindful of at, at times too. But God is, God is not someone who we can nag into submission. Philippians 4.19 says, This same God, Paul's writing this, and he said, This same God who takes care of me, remember that he's writing this under house arrest, as a person who has suffered unbelievable persecution uh, and torture for the name of Christ, That gives it a little bit of a different context, doesn't it? It says, This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. Which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. We have to trust that our Father knows our needs. That our Father knows what we need, not just to put food on the table but to mature and grow as children of the living God. That our Father knows what we need in order to grow and to develop and to become stronger in our spiritual walk and in who we are as a person, as well as those material and practical kind of things. So providing. Number five is the last one. Leading by example. Kids have a way sometimes of repeating back to, (laughs) uh, picking up on the things that we say and sometimes repeating them back at inconvenient moments. I read a little story, a funny story. Um, This is not from my experience, but um, there's a story about uh, a family and uh, it says at the church service, a little boy came up and told the pastor, when I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. Well, thank you, the pastor replied, but why? The little boy says, because my daddy says you are the poorest preacher we've ever had. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't happen here. No. <laughs> But we need to be mindful of what kind of, as parents, we we need to be mindful of what kind of example we set for our kids, don't we? Because they'll usually follow our example and not our instruction. They'll follow what we do, not what we say. And the great thing about our father is that he led by example. He led the way for us and showed us the way to live in the person of Jesus. He faced everything that we faced and he remained faithful and sinless. He set the standard, he led the way before us and gave us the model to follow. John 14, 
verse 9, Jesus is talking with his disciples uh, and he says, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He says, I am uh, the, uh, the, the, the revelation, the revealing of who the Father is. So why are you asking me to show him to you? John chapter 13, verse 14 and 15. Jesus says, Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, just like with my kids, I don't want them to be just like carbon copies of me. I want them to have, they've got their own hopes and their own dreams and their own plans and their own gifts and personalities that are different to me. I don't want them to just kind of be carbon copies, but there are things that uh, I would encourage them to, to imitate. And we don't copy Christ identically, we're not supposed to be carbon copies of, of him, but there are things about who he is um, that we are meant to be imitators of. I want my kids to, to follow my lead and, and hopefully surpass what I'm able to do in my life and what I build my life on. Loving God and developing a personal and intimate relationship with Him. The way that I love my wife and my family, the way that I serve God uh, and the church and, and follow God's path for my life. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and he says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So we have this, this amazing picture uh, of, of who God is, of the kind of loving Heavenly Father that He is and, and that's kind of outlined for us in our Word and there's kind of this, this standard that's set for us and this example that he's given to us of what it means to, to, to follow him and what it means to, I guess, for us as, as parents. But he's, uh, I guess, that he exemplifies what it means to be a good, good father. The good, good father, as we sing that song. But I have some good news and I have some bad news and then I have some more good news. It's kind of like a a bad news sandwich between good news. You ready? Ready for a bad news sandwich? All right. The good news is that God is our perfect Father who loves us unconditionally, who is always present and willing to help, who disciplines us perfectly in a way that helps to, to shape our lives and teach us. He provides for us according to our needs and according to His wisdom and he came in the person of Jesus to be a perfect example and lead us by example. That's the good news. We have an amazing God, an amazing Father who does these things perfectly for us as his children. The bad news is that he's kind of set this bar really high. <laughs> the bad news is that we can't hope to follow that example. The bad news is we mess up. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't desire those 
traits or characteristics or aspire to to kind of to exemplify those things in my life but I kind of have to do it knowing that I'm going to fall short and in so many ways I want to part of what I want to really encourage you with and say this morning is like don't try to hold yourself or your parents please to to this standard because none of us are able to measure up to the example that Jesus set for us are we and if I was to stand here and to preach to you this morning that you know if you're going to be a um, a good Christian that you need to try harder to do all these things if you're going to be a good parent then you need to to do better at this stuff and lift your game and you know uh, and pick yourself up and, and and work at it then I'm not preaching the gospel I'm preaching law because the reality is that we all fall short but here's the other good news the other good news is the gospel the other good news is that you already look like your dad the other good news is that you have already been transformed and changed into his likeness you are a new creation the old has gone and the new has come Romans 8 one last scripture I want to share with you this morning Romans 8 verse 15 and 16 says you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children now we call him Abba Father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children in John chapter 8, there's this really interesting little interchange between some Jewish guys that came and were talking to Jesus. And, uh, and, and they're like, you know, you, you might have read it before. They're like, oh, we're, you know, sons of Abraham. And Jesus is like, no, you're not, because Abraham would have listened to me. And they're like, well, we don't have any father except for God. And you're like, no, you're not, because I came from God and you won't listen to me. And Jesus says, your father is the devil, who's a liar and a murderer, and that's what's in your hearts. And, and there's kind of this, this interesting little thing about fathers and sons and, and fathers and children and kind of this, you know, he says, your father is the devil because your heart reflects his heart. You know, and that's, that's what we used to be. But for those who are in Christ, he declares that we are transformed, that we are made new, that he makes us into his sons and his daughters. You may not feel like it sometimes might be days when you might not even be able to see it in yourself. We don't always kind of see those resemblances sometimes. Do I know we joked about me not thinking that Hayden looks like me much, but sometimes I, sometimes I don't see it. And you'll laugh at that because you do, but sometimes I don't. And sometimes we don't see that in ourselves. Sometimes we don't see that we look like God. Sometimes we don't see that we look like our heavenly dad. But if you've been born again, if you've been made a new creation in Christ, if you are a child of God, then he declares, that he says of you, you look like your dad. There is something in you that reflects 
the glory of God. And we pray. Father, we thank you that you are an amazing God, that you are our perfect and wonderful and good Heavenly Father, that you love us and you protect us and you care for us and you watch over us and you provide for us and you lead by, you've given us the perfect example to follow. And we are so grateful that you are a good dad. We want to honour you and give you glory for that today. Father, there are things about you that we want to we want to emulate, we want to copy, we want to, to try to be like you in so many ways, Father. But we know that we fall short. We're not able to do that by ourselves. And so God, we pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would help us in those areas. Help us in some of those things. Help us to, to love our kids, help us to love our, our wives or our husbands, help us to love our our families and our friends, our brothers and sisters here in our church family. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to exemplify and, and to reflect some of those qualities that, that, that we see in you. But Father, we thank you too that when we received your salvation that we were transformed and made new. And right from that moment, you declared that we look like you, that we are uh, your representatives in this world, that people see you when they look at us. And Father, that's a, a humbling thing that sometimes we struggle to recognize and struggle to accept. But Lord, I pray that you would be speaking that word into our hearts this week particularly, but over and over again, reminding us, encouraging us that we reflect you because of what you've done in us. We thank you for this and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.